0: Let's return to the book of Revelation, beginning with chapter 1. We have presented some of the foundational truths as we approach this book. Now let's dig into the text. As we do, let's keep in mind that this is the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. What I especially appreciate as we begin to make our way into this book is that we see Jesus Christ as he is today, not the Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. I grew up Roman Catholic, and I would have a crucifix everywhere I turned. Now, it's good to remember the sacrifice of the cross, but that price has been paid, and now he is in glory, and he is going to return. We must always remember that He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But He is also the Lion of Judah who is coming to judge the world. And that's what will happen when He returns. And so as we open up our Bibles and look at Revelation chapter 1, we read this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, God the Father, gave Him to show to His servants the revelation of Jesus Christ, it's all about him, the Lion of Judah, which God gave to show his servants. God the Father has given this to the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, who is seated at his right hand, who then gives it to an angel, and then it makes its way to John. But notice it says, which God gave to him to show his servants, the things that must soon take place, his servants. Anyone that knows Jesus Christ as Savior, that's who we are. We are saints saved by the grace of God, but we are also servants unto the king. Can I ask you this question? I'll pose it to myself as well. Do you live as a servant of the soon-coming king? We all ought to look at our world and realize the king is coming it could be soon. And so when it is addressed to those who are servants, that should be describing each and every one of us. And then we read this phrase, the things which must soon take place. Now here's where a lot of people get right away kind of uh, puzzled. I mean, how in the world John said uh, this will soon take place? It's been almost 2,000 years. Now it's precisely at this point that the way a term is translated and then the interpretation that follows has given rise to different views of the book of Revelation. There is a view called the Preterist view. Years ago, when I first heard about Preterism, I was teaching a men's group And they would have tables after the lesson where we would sit and discuss things. And I'm not sure what the passage was, but in the course of a conversation, a young man made a statement. And as I heard what he said, he was essentially saying that all of the prophecy in the book of Revelation was already fulfilled, had already taken place. And as he said that, I knew he had a preterist view. And I asked him, I said, are you taking a preterist view? He said, yes. Now the preterist view, by the way, is that when you look at the book of Revelation, those areas that we say are yet future, they would say they were accomplished before 70 A.D. Now most preterists will stop when it comes to the last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation. They'll say they're partial preterists and that what we find in Revelation, the last couple of chapters, is the actual return of Jesus Christ. That hasn't taken place, but everything else took place before 70 A.D., With this particular young man, I was startled because I said to him, I assume you're a partial preterist. He said, no. And I said, you're a full preterist. You believe everything in Revelation from chapter 4 and on literally has taken place. He said, yes. I said, so you believe that Jesus Christ has returned? And believe it or not, he believed that at some point in a given battle, the Shekinah glory of God— hovered over the Temple Mount, and that was the return of Jesus Christ. Now, the preterist view, we do not accept. What we need to do, though, is to deal with this term, because when it says, will soon take place to us, in our mindset, 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years, that's a long time, to say the least. What we need to understand is this. When you look at the term, it can be looked at chronologically, or it can be looked at in terms of the idea of when this begins, it happens quickly. In fact, you'll discover if you were to dig into other translations of this term, the translation can be quickly, which will quickly take place. In other words, it's not talking about chronology as to how far out this event may be. But once this event begins to take place, it will take place quickly, rapidly, with great speed. We go to Matthew chapter 24. We see the analogy drawn between a woman who is pregnant with child and when she goes into labor. When she goes into labor, you better be there because it is happening quickly. Another biblical example would be the flood. Noah preached for 120 years, preached the pending judgment of God, and then it started. The ark was built, the animals were ushered onto the ark, Noah and his family entered the ark, and then the floodwaters came, compared to all those years, it was a very short period of time. The judgment came quickly. So it is, in terms of what we are anticipating, in light of what the Word of God says in the book of Revelation. Now, it's vitally important that we understand this, so let me give you a very practical, personal example. You need gas in your car, so you pull up to a gas station, you pull up near to a pump, you have your debit card or your credit card in hand. Now, it may vary from one station to the next, but oftentimes it'll say, insert your card quickly. Now, what is that saying? Is it saying, chronologically, there's a time frame here, insert your card right now, you've got 10 seconds, and if you don't, you're not going to get gas. Or we're going to blow up your car. No, it's not chronological. It says insert your card quickly. It means put it in quickly, pull it out so that it is red, and then you can be charged for your gas. There's your comparison. And when John is talking about quickly, he is saying when everything gets into gear, when Jesus Christ breaks the seal on the scrolls, we're going to see things happen with incredible speed. I'm going to suggest something to you, and that is... We may be seeing that quickly already in gear. When you consider how quickly our world has changed, especially with the pandemic, how quickly our country has changed, especially when you consider the moral decline, did you ever think we would be at this place where today that which was once considered right and moral and just is considered evil and is rejected, that is what is taking place. We are seeing something happen right in front of our eyes, and it is happening rapidly, quickly. The speed with which so many things are coming together, converging together, I believe fits what John is saying. That this, when it begins, all that John's going to say about the future and the return of the Savior, once it begins, it's going to play out quickly, rapidly, with great speed. And then we read verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near." What is the blessing? That's an important question, isn't it? What is the blessing of the book of Revelation? And really, we do not have a definitive answer from the text. But as we do read through the book of Revelation, as we hear it and heed it, we can see there is an incredible blessing available to us. Some have suggested that one of the blessings is that the book of Revelation pulls the entire Bible together in that almost 75% of the verses found in the book of Revelation can be traced back to the Old Testament. It compels us to know what God said to the nation of Israel, what God said about the future. That's a blessing. But the blessing could also be that this is telling us what's coming, When you consider what is happening in our world and in our country there's every reason to be incredibly anxious. There is a growing hatred to those who name the name of Christ, to those of us who proclaim the truth of the Word of God, to those of us who communicate the good news, the gospel. From a totally human perspective, looking at this world, we should be shot through with anxiety. But one of the blessings of the book of Revelation is that we know times can get extremely difficult, but we know the ending. We draw comfort from the fact that our God, who loves us, who cares about us, is in control. And the reason we know He's in control in large measure, especially during difficult times like this, is that He's told us in advance precisely what is going to happen. So we're not caught off guard. That doesn't mean it's going to be a cakewalk by any means. But we're not caught off guard. We know that what is happening right in front of our eyes is precisely what he predicted. When you begin to see this movement to the global control, the buying and selling of goods, we were told this was going to happen, Revelation chapter 13. When we see a movement to a new world order, we know the Bible tells us that is exactly what's going to take place before the Savior returns. But the Bible tells us the Savior is going to return. And so we are encouraged in the midst of all this. So that may well be the blessing that we can see in the midst of the tribulation that is coming upon us. It's history in advance when we read the book of Revelation. Now, in terms of whatever the blessing may be, and there's many aspects to the blessing, I suspect. When we look at this, we see that in order to have the blessing, it says blessed is the one who. So there's a contingency here. Reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. We read the words of the prophecy aloud. People hear what is said. And then it says, We keep what is written in it, for the time is near. We need to respond and apply the truth. The truth found in this book. It may well be that the biggest problem in the body of Christ today is that we hear a great deal of the Word of God, but we are not applying it. We are not living it out on a day to day basis. That's the reason we call our ministry Live the Word. And in James chapter 1, we are told that if we look into the mirror of the Word of God and we see all of the issues we should be dealing with and we fail to respond, we are deceived. And deception is something that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, warned about, especially as we got closer and closer to the end of the age.